A more dangerous team-up than Cruz and Kasich, it's Cape Crisis, the comic book podcast every week on the Laser Time Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Henry Gilbert, that's H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G, on Twitter. Hello, everybody. It's been a fun week of comic books. And as we talk about on Cape Crisis, the newest events in the world of graphic novels, comic books, and the movies and films based upon them. Movies and films and TV, that's what I meant to say. I'm way ahead of myself on Patter here, but I'm here with Christopher Antista. Ahoy hoy. Um, not reading a lot of comics this week, however, on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash network. By the time you hear this, you can watch it horrible stream of the uh, Master System Flash game game based on the TV series. Based on the 1990 TV series, and it was released in 1993. Jesus. But the the stupid thing Superman does in video games video, that I put up and everybody loves, but nobody's watching. I'm telling you now. Check out our YouTube channel. That sounds to me like a conspiracy. And also here, conspiracy of indifference. <laughs> and conspiring with us today on the podcast in the first segment is Brad Elston. Hi. Hey, Hi. Brad. How is it going? It's going. That's cool. Uh, well, speaking of our YouTube channel, yes. uh, we've also been doing the looks at all those 1990 Marvel oh, cards, oh. and we're into the villains now, huh. so if you're curious about the status quo of all the Marvel characters and villains of 1990, uh, we I, do... There were like two villains, I'm like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> you're not a real thing. Uh, Nightmare, I think, was one of them. I'm just like, who's this Nightmare dude? Mm-hmm. But Nightmare looked familiar for some reason. It was mm-hmm. high voltage, What I forget his I, name. Uh, if... If uh, David Tennant hadn't already played the Mr. Purple or Purple Man in Prince Jessica Jones, mm-hmm. he should have been playing uh, Nightmare in the Doctor Strange film. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think they should cast a Doctor Who to face Doctor Strange. I think mm-hmm. that'd be. But yet they've already also they cast another Doctor Who as the villain in Thor: Dark World. Yeah, so there's not many Doctor Who's left. <laughs> and, um, but anyway, so this is a strange problem you've just created. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, this week we are going to be talking about some news. Uh, and also, I did read a few comic books this week. <gasps> and uh, we've got our t- new segments of Ask Hank and as well the classic community segment. But first, our new marquee segment Superhero Spotlight. Select your hero. And this week's is, of course... When Captain America throws his mighty shield All those who chose to oppose his shield must yield If he's led to a fight and a duel is due Then the red and the white and, and the blue will come through When Captain America throws his mighty shield Yes, that is the Captain America theme song from his 1960s cartoon, though animation is... So it's not the strictest it's, sense of the word animation. Yeah, it's a clever series of zooms and pans. Yes, across wonderful emulations of Jack Kirby art. Mm-hmm. Really good. But anyway, yes, we are talking about Captain America. His film is just about to release Civil War. And he just turned 75. So I felt like it was time to celebrate Steve Rogers with a superhero spotlight. So, you know, we covered a little bit of this in the Bucky Barnes one, too, because they're so closely connected in the Winter Soldier one, but Steve Rogers first appeared Captain America Comics number one March 1941 Mm. published by then Timely Comics would later become Marvel Comics Mm -hmm. Uh, and he was you know the third marquee Marvel dude after Namor and the Human Torch Mm -hmm. 
co-created by Jack Kirby and Joe Simon. And if you're a book reader, like I sometimes am, in the Cavalier and Clay book, the characters who created, you know, the escapist in that, they are most closely based on Jack Kirby and Joe Simon's creation of Captain America. And he was also introduced alongside his friend sidekick Bucky, and his origin is pretty similar to the one in the film, though his origin in his first issue, like, they cover it all. He is... A scrawny kid from Brooklyn who wanted to be in the army but kept getting his 4F card, as we all saw in Bugs Bunny cartoons. Um, but well, that was back in the day. If you weren't joining the war effort in some way, you were a coward or a failure as a man. Mm-hmm. So you had to show, like... I can say that knowing I'm not offending anyone listening. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the draft has been over for a very long time in America. But, yeah, he wanted to fight the Nazis, but he yeah. couldn't. He didn't have the physical constitution. I just keep listening about those old Hollywood stars at the time, and, like, they were enlisting too. Errol mm-hmm. Flynn rejected 4F, and it haunted him. Oh, Jimmy Stewart killed a lot of guys yep. in his plane, man. Yep. No, and so, yeah, he wanted to do it, but the only way he could is in an experimental treatment of the super soldier serum made by Dr. Erskine. Mm-hmm. And he invented the serum, and the plan was that it would be used on all American troops. But he is killed by a Nazi spy, who then Cap kills back. And then the the serum is lost forever. That's why it can never be replicated, Captain America. There will never be another Captain America. And why he constantly fights imitators who just can't match his power. <laughs> it was pretty similar to how they did it in the movie, though I liked the further bit in the movie of that super soldier serum enhances your character as well as your body like or that it increases if you're a good dude you'll turn into a great oh, dude. i see or if you're a bad guy you'll turn into a really it doesn't bad give you guy. a better transcontinental accent for the no. 1940s what's this he was an allied hero in the world war ii fought dudes like red skull who was simply a spy in a skull mask back then <laughs> Captain Nazi, who, uh, you know, pretty... What did he do? (laughs) (laughs) He wore a big swastika on his chest and had blonde hair. That's what he did. And uh, the story at the time was, it was later retconned that Captain America and Bucky disappeared in April 1945, just as the war was ending. Cap kept getting published into the late 40s alongside his fellow allied heroes in the Invaders, Human Torch, and Namor, but it just kept getting more unpopular. Like, once mm-hmm. once the war was over, Marvel characters suffered a lot more than, say, Superman or Batman in popularity. Yeah, because Captain America's got nothing left to do with tell people to name names. Yeah. Report your local communists. And, like, Captain America eventually turned into a horror book. Mm. They tried restarting him in 53 as Commie Smasher Cap. Of course. I was joking, but I was right. Though they then, they then retconned that to be like, no, 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 Steve was in ice that time. He was not Commie Smasher Cap. <laughs> so then, cut to March 19 1964. The Avengers are in full swing. They've had three issues. But Stanley and Jack Kirby decide they need a little something extra in their team up of all their mar- new Marvel characters. And so they pull out of the ice Captain America. He had been frozen since yeah. na- the April 45, and he is taken out of the ice and immediately becomes like, oh, I'm the top Avenger. Like, he's mm-hmm. not a founding member. But he pretty much is, yeah. and becomes their leader. It's it's now a weird thing when Cap isn't a leader on Avengers. That, I just that's such a weird decision to resurrect. Did people still remember Captain America? They they did because back then he'd only been gone for like fourteen years or something. That's a long time. But it's not just that they remembered it. Like it's not that fans just remembered him. It was also that Stanley and Jack Kirby remembered him. him, and they still loved him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Oh, also I forgot to mention when he was first introduced in his original appearance, he had his like 
kind of badge shield, mm-hmm. but by issue two, it was, was replaced with the circular shield. The colors kind of changed a little bit in the first few issues, but he's had his circular, unbreakable vibranium shield since then. And that's Cap that he is one of the best fighters alive. Could beat Batman in a fight because he also has not just peak physical condition, but like... Are you explaining once like something like electrolytes in his body replenish uh, differently? Your so explanation of this, I will quote it if you don't. If they you don't said it well. his body, his muscles don't create lactic acid, and therefore right. he doesn't get tired. So I remember you explaining this to me on a fucking bus to Comic Con in San Diego <laughs> that Captain America's strength is his endurance. Mm. So like he might not be as strong as Superman, but he won't wear down or get tired. Sure. So he can run. And he, obviously, he's good with a shield and accurate with yeah, it, yeah. but he's also mm. like he. Like That's, he has the strength and fortitude to throw that shield basically indefinitely. Over and over again. Yeah. Run as fast as, as fast as he can for as long yeah, as Yeah, so it's it, like if an Olympic sprinter can sprint for like X seconds and yes. maintain it. Like Cap can theoretically do that possibly forever. I, I, that literally <laughs> like made me readdress my... Reevaluate Cap. Of mm. Like, oh, that is interesting. Yeah, and, and also he is a magician with his shield. Like yes. it can... To an unbelievable degree, but it's one of those things you shrug your shoulder like, yeah, but it's uh, cool it's, that he does it. If like, you're ingrained in the Marvel Universe and Daredevil's fap uh, baton, <laughs> like you just don't question it. Like, yeah. of course the superhero would be phenomenal with the yeah. thing that they've chosen to be phenomenal with. Cap can throw every shield, and it always comes back to him. And I love when they really did that in the Winter Soldier film, yeah. too. It was one of the best bits of the whole movie. Yeah, because I don't, I don't remember the first movie have a whole lot of shield Not stuff. Not really. He, like, threw it, like, twice, and yeah. it would maybe, like, bounce off two things. They'd be like, yeah, I got just it. Just a brilliant cool. Notion like no, just start off Winter Soldier. Like he knows that shield yeah. a billion percent. It's his hand. Like it's uh, it's 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 like a third hand or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so he got in charge of the Avengers, one of their best leaders on the team, and uh, also by November of '64, Jack Kirby had got him in as a secondary character in Tales mm-hmm. of Suspense. This was back when Marvel had this weird deal with with their publisher that they could only have X number of books. So even though Cap and Iron Man were popular enough to have their own series, mm-hmm. they couldn't can't they'd have to cancel another series to give them one and so then they're just like, "Eh, screw it. Tales of Suspense 15, one Iron Man story, one Captain America story." And that went that way until April of 68 with the 100th issue of Tales of Suspense just being renamed Captain America. Mm. Because at that point, that's when they finally, in 68, they finally got out of that deal with their publisher. That's when you see Captain America, Iron Man, Silver Surfer, all these characters uh, get brand new books. That brings us into the 70s where Cap briefly teamed up with Rick Jones, who tried to be the new Bucky but didn't really stick. And then he got not a sidekick but a partner... Falcon, who in 1969 was the first ever African-American superhero in comics, like or at least in Marvel and DC. Uh, but he was just fighting all these World War II leftovers, like Red Skull came back, a bunch of other old-timey World War II guys. Though this is also when the time slippage started to be a problem, because in 64 when they introduced him, like, oh, he's been gone for 20 years, and World War II vets are in their 40s now or whatever. In the 70s, they're like, well, they're in their 50s getting in their 60s, 70s, 80s. Like, they keep aging, and then it just starts to be impossible that anyone who was, like, even 18 in World War II yeah. could still be alive. Yep, we're down to, I think, 20 World and, War II vets. Yeah, well, really? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's getting low. It's getting low. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so then in the 70s, Cap kind of got embroiled in the politics of the 70s, the Watergate era stuff. 
at the time they didn't call it Watergate or and they didn't say it was Nixon. Mm-hmm. But there was this long storyline where Cap was facing the Sons of the Serpent who uh, were this uh, white supremacist group. Cap fights a lot of white supremacists in his history. Uh, And in this group, he finds out it goes all the way to the top, and he busts into the White House. And they don't say it's the president who was the secretly the Sons of Serpent, but they don't not say it. I'm President Dixon. (laughs) And they don't even show... Tricky Dixon. They don't even show the president's face or say this is the president. But the president kills himself when caught by Cap. (laughs) And then Cap is so disillusioned, he quits becomes nomad who has a terrible costume the nomad costume is the garbage it's like black with a deep v chest exposed and then a yellow cape it is so bad man and so uh that kind of ends pretty quickly though and he comes back and also that's when he started dating the character sharon carter who at the time was the daughter of a lady he had been with in world war ii would later be turned it's into... not at all creepy. No, certainly not. Especially that she looks a lot like her, too. And then Sharon kind of gets retconned to be her granddaughter, her grandniece. Her, it, that also floats around quite a lot. But that's the, the one from his youth. That's the Agent Carter mm-hmm. that they put into the movies, too. Same same deal. And, and her own TV series. In the 80s, he briefly considers running for presidents, but decides not to. His shield is broken for the first time in Secret Wars, though mm. not the last by any means. Wow. Uh, and then Mark Gruenwald takes over as Cap and writes a very long run with him, which is what we grew up with as Cap Comics. And Gruenwald, the late Mark Gruenwald, had an amazing run on it. Everybody, he says he was a real great guy. But in our youth, that's also when we knew him as Grandpa Cap, which mm-hmm. is, uh, at least to me, he was the Cap who would like appear in a Spider-Man comic and say, you shouldn't do that, Spider-Man, and wag his finger at him like, uh, he he would call guys like, oh, son, I don't think so. America doesn't stand for this. Like, he was just a total scold. It was kind of boring. Though in Grunewald's run, he also turned Cap into a werewolf. So it wasn't all bad. <laughs> that uh, happened recently with Falcon. That's right, yeah. The when, Falcon Cap in, like, issue two is a wolf man. Wow. Yeah, I, I like that callback. I remember what in the 90s, it was like their bi-weekly storyline was like, Captain America, the werewolf. And he, like, turned into a werewolf, but he still had the mask stuck onto his face <laughs> in werewolf form. It was great. Also, Grunewald introduced the villain killer Scourge, who was, like, a slightly more evil Punisher. And that's also when he was briefly replaced by U.S. Agent, who was a more conservative version of Cap. And it was in the middle of Garfield, right? Uh, that's yeah, U.S. Acres. Uh, uh, you got me. Oh, and also, Red Skull, for the longest time, he'd come back, but Red Skull was like a sneaky backstabber. He was never Cap's equal until he got his mind put into a cloned body of Steve Rogers. I don't know. It's one of those things that just like, well, now you're just making the Red Skull like less interesting since he can punch Cap or whatever. Mm. And then Grunewald's run ended in a rather sour note where Grunewald himself was diagnosed with a degenerative disease, I believe cancer, which would eventually claim his life. Very sad, but he also, at the time, Cap's super soldier serum started to degenerate as well, and he was wasting away and dying in the book. And when he left the book, Cap was seemingly dead. The very next issue, Mark Wade takes over as the Red Skull to give a blood transfusion of his clone cap blood to steve rogers saving his life and then forcing him to work with him and starts mark wade's incredible run on the series it was so good him and ron garney andy kubert is the artist such a good cap run which unfortunately was interrupted in the middle by rob liefeld's terrible run uh, of drawing him in an, an awful way but 
the, basically everybody pretended that didn't happen and Mark Wade kind of took back over the book. That's also when, for the second time, Cap lost his shield and like he had to replace it with an energy shield, if you guys remember mm-hmm. in, at the time. Though he was still running the Avengers. So when you read, say, Ultron Unlimited, one of the best Ultron stories in the 90s, it's easy to forget, like, wait, why does Cap have this, like, laser shield? This mm-hmm. makes no sense. You weren't, they had to, it was reflecting Cap at the time. So then that cuts into the 2000s, 9-11, and he didn't really know how to deal with it. And then, again, with that sliding timeline thing, if Cap's been awake out of the ice for only 12 years, then he had, he wasn't out of the ice for 9-11. Mm-hmm. So... The him experiencing 9-11 didn't happen, but he, there was also the Avengers Disassembled story where he kind of had to deal with a lot of problems there. Then Ed Brubaker took over, and he really did make a great post-9-11 Captain America story where he was he was more gritty, boots-on-the-ground type dude, still in his crazy costume with his chainmail and shit, but he was fighting domestic terrorists who wore, you know, masks, but domestic terrorists. And it's also when Bucky returned his Winter Soldier, as we talked about on last week's superhero spotlight and at the same time as he was trying to find bucky captain america and iron man disagreed over whether superheroes should register with the government and cap becomes an enemy of the state as like freedom fighters on american soil of other superheroes and it is the marvel civil war story at the time he gets together his whole band of heroes fights tony in the middle of manhattan and he loses or he gives up because he realizes like oh the people are against me now like they they don't like all the terror i'm causing by fighting for this so i give up and him getting arrested puts him in the perfect place to be in quotes killed by the red skull he isn't actually killed but for a time he's dead for about two years and bucky takes over though what it actually turned out was that he was shot with a time displacement gun that took his spirit out of his body and sent it to his consciousness to other parts of his body. He was unhinged in time, as they say. And so he was just like reliving his life one moment at a time in his old body. While meanwhile, his body would then be taken over by Red Skull. But they were able to prevent that from happening. He beats the Red Skull, killing Red Skull seemingly for the last time. It wasn't. Uh, and... But when he's back, at first he's like, nah, Bucky, you should be Cap. Uh, you're doing a good job of it. I'll just run S.H.I.E.L.D. and repeal the Registration Act. And we're all friends again. That doesn't last very long. Bucky, quote-unquote, dies himself. Cap takes back over, gives up running S.H.I.E.L.D. Then that cuts to him getting sent to another dimension. For, <laughs> for what, for him, felt like 15 years. For everybody else was a week. He has a super soldier serum neutralized in his body, turning him into a 90-year-old man. That's when Falcon took over as Captain America, and Sam Wilson still is Captain America, though very recently, in time for his 75th anniversary, the super soldier serum is restored, and he is Captain America once more. Though, I think I think Sam Wilson, for now, is keeping the shield, so Cap has a new shield, more in the style of his original appearance badge. Don't like it. As for Cap's appearances in other media, he had a ton of cartoons, like that first run of the Marvel cartoons from the 60s. Mm-hmm. He has appeared in multiple, he has a guest appearances in a ton of cartoons as well. 
He also had a couple of terrible live action films, one a TV movie in the <laughs> 70s, where he was played by Beef Shank Muscle or whatever. The <laughs> Big McLarge Huge. Big McLarge Huge from Wait, that same guy? Science Theater. The Holy same shit, guy. really? I swear to God. He looks the just guy like, from Space Mutiny. He looks just like him. I swear it's him. And he's, he's riding around. He rides on his motorcycle and he, he has to wear a helmet. His helmet like is a cow. motorcycle helmet. I know. I, just, I have seen this movie. It's... Wow. And... Would you say it's... Have you seen the 1991? I never saw the 91, no. Okay, that one is supposedly even worse. Yeah, that's abysmal. Though that one is where they changed Red Skull to be Italian, I think, to... They were... Oh! Were they afraid <laughs> of American insulting... American swine! <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's... I wonder if it's a similar to how in the film they changed him to... Oh, no, I run Hydra. I hate Nazis, too. I'm also bad, but I am not a Nazi. Mm-hmm. But I have that written on the thing. I'm not a Nazi. But... Also in 1991, he led the Captain America and the Avengers arcade game. A, a favorite of ours, though. Not a, I mean, not a oh. great beat 'em up. No, oh. I mean, it really is his game. They're fighting. The final villain is his Super Captain enemy. America and yeah. the Avengers. And also, he would get his own game in 2012 to coincide with the release of the movie Captain America: The First Avenger. Which, out of all the shitty Sega yeah. games, it is the least shitty. Yeah. 2011. Oh, oh yeah, 2011. 2012 yeah. was Avengers. Mm-hmm. So his movie in 2011, Chris Evans owning the role. Like I feel like every cap beforehand was always the wishy-washy. Like, yeah. oh, I'm from the 40s and yeah. I talk like this. Like, well, meanwhile, Chris Evans is just the most wholesome, awesome dude in the world, but very down to earth and idealistic. But he doesn't sound like your fucking grandpa giving you a yeah. lecture. He's man. much more a, a better, a great mix of Ultimates Cap and Classic Cap. Yeah, it's somewhere yeah. in the middle. Very confident, but very vulnerable. I think Ultimates Cap gave people a lesson. Like he can be tougher. Like yeah. he doesn't have to be a wuss. Though you also don't have to go completely like, oh yeah, yeah. he's he's like a Republican who insults yeah. France and says yeah. they're pussies. You don't have to go all the way in one direction or the other. Anyway, so that is the history of Captain America. I hope to see, uh, you know, Chris Evans might be leaving the role, who knows? But I hope to see another 75 years of great Captain America. Select your hero. There's not a ton of news to get into, but I've got a few big stories. One, uh, look out, guys. Guardians of the Galaxy spoilers are out there. Nathan Fillion is cast in a pretty cool role. Yep. But I wish I'd have seen it in the theater and not as a spoiler photograph from the set. I made sure to... I clicked on it, but I didn't look at exactly what it said. Uh, I I kind of gleaned from the rest of the internet what it it means. On one website, it's just the headline of Nathan Fillion is... And I was like, whoa! I mean, no matter what that is, it's it's not going to be addressed in that film. I cannot imagine. Probably not. I mean, Mm -hmm. I could totally see James Gunn just having like... Hey, you have five seconds free, yeah. my friend Nathan Fillion. I'll yes. photograph you. You were in my last movie, be in this movie. Yeah, for eight seconds. It is perfect casting, I think. I'm really excited. Look it up if you if you want it to be spoiled. Uh, there was the final X-Men uh, Apocalypse trailer. I po- did a post of it on the site. And it kind of gives you pretty much the entire skeleton of the movie. Of this happens, this happens, this happens. It is weird. I'm trying not to watch those because I, 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 I watched so much of Days of Future Past trailer content. Uh uh, a little bit of the movie was ruined for me, but there's still a ton of stuff left to discover in the film. But I, but I just feel like I'm being bombarded with information and new characters in every mm-hmm. new Apocalypse trailer. Yeah, yeah, they've shown I'm some gonna of them, see it, including like what seems to be implying a Weapon X mission, a scene set in Weapon X with a free Wolverine. And Can't wait to see that again. Yeah, I'm, well, <laughs> hopefully they can do it right this time. 
But then I also was left in the weird space of like, oh, wait, what, what did happen at the end of Days of Future Past? Oh, yeah. Mystique posed as Striker and took Wolverine in and I guess experimented on him and gave him the adamantium as well. But at a different time than it would have happened before? No idea. It's very confusing. But well, it was cool to see like Nightcrawler added again, too. And them saying, like, this is a fresh start for Wolverine. So this also feels like... I don't know, maybe they recast Wolverine, or maybe they don't even show Hugh Jackman and they imply it. Maybe it's not Hugh and Now would be the time, yeah. Yeah, uh, he's been pretty clear his old man Logan movie is going to be his last one. And also, Brett, I don't know if you saw it, but the uh, somebody tweeted at both of us pictures of them in their full costume and like, yeah. Cyclops had his fucking it, chest buckle. Yeah. I loved it. it well, was, like the 90s Jim Lee stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that was perfect. It still wasn't that colorful because Brian Singer's world is not colorful like that. I've come to accept that, but... Mm. But I like that it is getting closer, inching ever closer to Cyclops. Though I'm also like, Apocalypse, just let it be the end. Like, let this be the end of the Brian Singer verse that's been going for 16 years. Just start something new. Like, start start a brand new X-Men thing. I'm a cool with a reboot at this point. Also, the writer of Doctor Strange, they kind of, ha- they talked more about the Ancient One, Tilda Swinton situation. Mm-hmm. And just saying that, like, from a from a casting standpoint, they felt they were an unwinnable situation. Probably. Because they said, you know, when they recast, if they recast for a different race and change the Ancient One's origin to make her, like, a Celtic ancient instead, that seems like, oh, you're taking a job away from an Asian actor. Uh, but then on the other end of it, they said, well, if they make it Tibetan, that is recognizing Tibet as a country. And good luck selling your movie in China and, and giving up hundreds of millions of dollars. It's an interesting theory. It's, it's also no, not, this it's is what the guy said. A, the guy a, said it was it was partially about China. It's not like a, it's not one of those flattering Asian roles. Either. No, no, it isn't. Yeah. It's like, I mean, the ancient one, you look at the ancient one, the original Doctor Strange comics, it, it is the same Fu Manchu yeah, yeah. stuff you'd see in every comic. So I, like, I just like someone acknowledging like thing. this there was no way to do this 100% yeah, right like oh he's a man with drawn with literally yellow skin yeah. and a tiny mustache it's a tough situation and now we have Lady Conan yeah ah, good old Tilda uh, and then lastly in the comic book news one of my favorite comics of the 90s, but that had a very clear beginning, middle, and end, was Bone, Jeff Smith's Bone. What? Which was basically, if the Carl Barks Donald Duck comics mm-hmm. met Lord of the Rings. It was those kind of like I've never together. finished it, but I love it. It's such a good book. But it ended very like clearly, like, this is the last chapter, and aside from some prequels, he's never really gone back to it. But in July, he will. He has announced a new... A graphic novel coming out in July, which is about finally the Bones returning to Boneville as they were last seen doing in the book. So anyway, I'm really excited that Jeff Smith is returning to Bone. He did some other good stuff, but I like his Bone, man. His Bone is great. And also Robert Downey Jr. is in the Spider-Man movie. Oh, yes. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, that is happening. I feel like that isn't almost news because I thought that was like rumored when they first signed up. Like, oh, yeah. It was. It was RDJ. made official. I was a little annoyed. I mean, I couldn't stop myself. must my... be getting paid. So much yeah, by Sony. A whole lot oh of money. my god! Yeah, boy. I wish I could have re- resisted watching the video, but there was a new like TV spot that had like three more seconds of Spider-Man, five more seconds of Spider-Man. It was a really great five yeah. seconds. But like, 
I really shouldn't have seen this. I should have seen this in the theater. It's but great. him yelling at Winter Soldier. Yeah. Again, it's like, oh, this this could be the perfect Spider-Man or the best Spider-Man ever on film. And oh man. Well that we'll leave that up to the Britos to decide and everybody else outside of America, because they're gonna fucking watch Civil War this Friday. Sadly, we're gonna have to wait till next Friday, but Oh, well. So, yeah, good luck avoiding any goddamn spoilers on Twitter or Facebook for the next week. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the Ask Hank questions, your answers last week, question of the week, and I also even read a few comic books. Are you already tired of 2016? Jump into the past with 302010, our weekly pop culture time machine podcast. Here's something you may remember from 1996. In case you don't know what Kindred the Embraced is, it's based on the uh, White Wolf tabletop RPG series Vampire the Masquerade. Oh. Can you table- hold these books so I can knock them on the ground? <laughs> is tabletop <laughs> RPGs too far for no, you? No, to- no, no, no. My no, friends I, played this stuff. No, I did, I did yeah. find it impenetrable. It's, I mean, I was well, D&D. It's fine. They made Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf the Apocalypse, Mage the Awakening. <laughs> this uh, is, can you say this like Troy McClure, please? <laughs> <laughs> these are just random words and a- adjectives. Were- werewolf the Apocalypse. Zombie the Simmering. <laughs> well, no, they were... They were Frankenstein the Lombard. <laughs> All right, but fine. Enough about Kindred. I never get to make fun of anybody for being a nerd. If you could see the room we're in right now, <laughs> there is uh, a alphabetized Disney shelf right behind me. Uh, well, yeah, did your did your hubby play these games? Uh, like he did actually, and my my boyfriend at the time did. I went to one party. Ooh, they were playing. Have a type. She does have a type. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> fucking losers. <laughs> <laughs> That's 302010, a weekly look at what happened in pop culture 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 years ago, every Thursday right here on the Laser Time Network. Welcome to the break, as usual, for this week's episode of Cape Crisis. And we are a show sponsored by Patreon.com. If you want to help us out and support this show and keep this show going strong so it can be our full-time job along with all the other great stuff we do on LazerTimePodcast.com, please consider supporting us. Patreon.com slash LazerTime. For just $5 a month, you get access to a bunch of exclusive stuff we made and new exclusive stuff coming every single week. Also, if you'd like to support us by buying things on Amazon, there's a bunch of links to Amazon items on the site. Now, you don't have to buy what we suggest, but buy anything through those links, and a little bit of money gets kicked back our way at no extra cost to you. It is a great way to support Laser Time and Cape Crisis. Also, if you've yet to review the podcast on iTunes, that always is a helpful thing, and it's something I would really appreciate. Now, it's time for the Hank's Corner Pick of the Week. I didn't mention it on the show because I wanted to save it for here. I just got the first volume of the first few issues of Black Magic, the new image series by Greg Rucka and Nicola Scott, who are soon about to go on to have a nice little run on Wonder Woman. But before that, they did this interesting police procedural, a genre that Greg Rucka is very well versed in, except it stars a real-life practicing Wiccan, and the art by Nicola Scott is very, very good. 
Since it just came out and it's a first volume of an image book, that means you can get it for under $10 on Amazon. A damn steal, if you ask me. And I guess you did by listening to this. Anyway, you can buy that through the link on this week's episode page, which you'll find on lasertimepodcast.com. And it supports the site, as does patreon.com slash lasertime. Now, back to the rest of the show. All right, hey, welcome back, everybody, to the second segment of Cape Crisis. And for the second segment, we've got the walking Dave, Dave Rudd. Hi. Oh, wait, I don't have sound effects set up. So I read some comics this week, and I got a bunch of nice freebies from my friend. I want to give a shout-out to Flavorwire for giving the show. Oh, hell yeah. Flavorwire ranked this and VG Empire and the Laser Time Mothership Show. Ranked them all on their 15 best nerd culture mm-hmm. podcast. Somebody up there likes us, guys. Yep. And, Thank you, Mr. And, Epstein. Yeah, yeah, so hey, if you're... Well, in- I, I thank him a little bit less because he mentioned how great the show was and then talked about the three of you. Mm-hmm. And not and me. Not, uh, Dave, we love you. Oh. But yeah, thanks, I'm growing, Flavor. You're growing on me. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Flavor Wire. And hey, if you're one of those new listeners, t- thanks for coming by. I hope uh, we didn't ah. disappoint you. Uh, but anyway, so I did read some comics this week. I read Amazing Spider-Man 11, the uh, end of the Zodiac storyline and the setup for the next big storyline going on in Spider-Man. But it was a, a fun little bit that had one of my favorite, like, one of the reasons I love Dan Slott is that he is, I feel so, like, a kinship with him as a comic book writer. He has Spider-Man say this stuff that makes me think, like, oh, yeah, everybody says this stuff. In this issue... Spider-Man says this thing of like, all right, I'm going to set up this wall of, of concrete webbing. Even the Hulk couldn't bust through this. But as he's saying, even the Hulk couldn't bust through this, the guy busts through it. And he says, I should stop saying the Hulk couldn't <laughs> bust through this stuff. It's going to get back to him and he'll be mad. Like, and it is such a cliche. Like when you're in a fight with somebody and you say, I haven't been hit this hard since the Hulk. This guy could run rings around the Hulk. Like it's how you say this person I'm facing is very strong. It can get a little cliche, but uh, I liked him pointing out that cliche. Read issues four and five of Hellcat, ending the first storyline in it. Really good. I really love Hellcat. And Jessica Jones is starting to enter into the mix. And, and also, Howard the Duck said Bazinga in it. So, you know, it's uh, if you're a new listener, I do not like <laughs> Big Bang Theory. And I think he says it uh, ironically. It told me everything I need to know about comic books. Thank you, Big Bang Theory. <laughs> Every night on TBS. And I also wanted to give credit to the sadly ending series that I didn't even read until recently, the Angela series. It seemed like she was kind of uninteresting since Todd McFarlane just said, man, here, Marvel, just have Angela, I don't care. Uh, But they were doing some really neat stuff with her, especially uh, Marguerite Bennett as the writer on the book. And it was making it a super gay book. Like, it was Angela going to hell to save her transgender girlfriend. But also, hell, it is with one L, it's all this North mythology shit, too. And also, they're constantly breaking the fourth wall. Like, in their second to last issue, they even talk about how the next one's the last issue and we didn't sell enough copies mm-hmm. to keep going. It ended at issue seven, which is sad. It's, it was a really good book. I wish I had been one of the people supporting it beforehand. But I picked up a few issues because they were on... Uh, sale half off this weekend on Amazon. They had a half off sale. Oh, and also and there that was, was how I discovered these series existed. Oh, really? I, I just 
completely passed me by like Angela. Oh, Angela! Holy yeah. shit! I think Marvel maybe didn't do the best job of advertising it, perhaps. But Dave, you beforehand said you had read yes. something, too. Uh, well, as per Walking Dave tradition, there's a new Walking Dead comic. It's a mm-hmm. uh, it's a one-off called The Walk- Walking Dead, The Alien. It's a pay-what-you-want comic. Oh, yes. I talked about it last week. How yeah. was it? It's, uh, it's from Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin. I really liked it. I kind of wish I'd paid a little bit more to it for it in retrospect. You gave him like, ten cents, huh? No, I gave him I gave him a buck fifty. Okay, all right. You know, like three bucks for a normal comic issue on Comicsology, so mm-hmm. I get half that. I, hey, I didn't know what it's gonna. I don't. I didn't have panel view, so it was just literally re- scrolling well, through yeah, like get, a, like you a get jackass. PDF, like yeah. Yeah, there's you, also other files, but I didn't know how they work. I mean, like, comic book like, reader files. I'm not the biggest fan of them. I just uh, I, yeah. I'll just, just take a PDF and scroll around. But it's really good. It it's set in I believe France, but it is in continuity in it Walking is, Dead. It is, and it's, it, the person has a very strong tie to Rick Grimes. Mm. It's a nice little, it's a small story, there's just two people, really, and, uh... And Kirkman gave him the permission to do yeah. it. Yeah. Like, he was totally cool with it. And I, I would love to see if it actually pays off in, you know, at some point down the line in the actual Walking Dead comic, mm. but, uh, uh... Did you see they're casting Ezekiel for the, uh, uh the TV show? I did it's not true. know that. Uh, and uh, they're going to get that tiger, though. That's the, mm. that's the key. I bet it'll be CG. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch of underpaid animators. <laughs> uh, I don't Working see in it. Georgia. Did uh, anybody? If nobody else has any reading they'd like to talk about, I do have some Ask Hank replies. Do it! Uh, so Raccoon Hale asks, Have you ever read any old non-Marvel or DC comics? I'm talking about The Shadow or The Phantom. What are your thoughts on those? And have you read modern versions and could you buy them? Um... I haven't read too many of the old non-Marvel or DC stuff, though I did like the reboots of Green Hornet and The Fox from last year that were both done by Mark uh, Wade. The Fox I had never, ever heard of until Mark Wade rebooted him, but he was one of the Red Circle comic characters, which was briefly when Archie was like, we can do superhero comics too. Is this If this was popular in the 1960s, we'll do it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't work out so well for them, but I really liked those. And then, of, other than that, I did read a collection of Steve Ditko's Gorgo comics. Now, Chris, you'll be interested in this. Steve, Steve Ditko, co-creator of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Before Spider-Man, he was paid to do Gorgo comics. The Brett, you love Gorgo. The, I, I own a copy. The Irish Godzilla. <laughs> yes, the Irish Godzilla ripoff, <laughs> where he smashes. England. He smashes Big Ben. Go smash. The cover is him. Uh, it's a VHS I got in like 1990 probably of wow. him busting up Big Ben. Faith in Bigora. <laughs> He's coming for us. Uh, CDG Comedy says, uh, so I recently picked up volume one of Hickman's Fantastic Four run and it introduced me to the idea of the Council of Reeds and the evil shit they did to turn dooms. My question is, is there a good collection that shows off the uh, 616's Reeds or interactions with them? They're really only in that Hickman book, as far as I know, the Council of Reeds. And I think we only call them that because, like, the Council of Ricks on Rick and Morty is so similar to them. (laughs) Of just, like, the smartest dude in every reality comes together pan-reality to hang out. But Hickman, I think, explores it, but I also think drops it a little bit. It's one of those things I wasn't the biggest fan of because it was like... I don't like when Reed gets creepy. Like, Reed can... You, you can take Reed into creepy a direction of, like, oh, I'm smarter than everyone. I'm not even human, and you people are all beneath me. Like, that is that is what Ultimate Reed yeah, became. Ultimate. And I, I don't like when they edge up to that with 616 Reed. Caleb sent us a box of goodies. Yes! Rhett, you got this thing. Um, Go Bots. Bots on Earth, oh the God. book. Flip through it for one second. Just uh-huh. remember, you're on mic. People can't uh-huh. see it. Uh-huh. So, uh, that's... Gross. Gross. 
Gross. Bad. Go terribly, be, terribly drawn. Lots of now, empty space. Go back to the beginning and check the the first page and check the artist on it. Uh, let's see, Steve Ditko. <laughs> Steve Ditko. So whatever in, happened to Steve Ditko? Wow. He drew in Gobots the, books in the eighties. He's still alive. Well, I mean, he, he has to draw to them to on. Him, he has to draw them on model to the toys. Mm-hmm. So like, part of this isn't his fault. No, no, no. those dude faces. Well, like he's doing it, his best. As always, but, blame Gobots. Yes. Uh, their home planet is called Gobotron. Though <laughs> 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 no, in the sixty, yeah, in the eighties, that's what Ditko is doing for cash. He's like, some people are sucking. It's an dick awesome Tron parody of Fraggle Rock too. Oh god. Yeah, that he just was he does that for hire shit. He does whatever he feels like. Like Steve Ditko is kind of a weird an odd duck, but I'm glad he's still with us and I'm glad he gave us Spider Man. Oh yeah, so Satanka asks, Henry, do you feel that there I like can- that his name sounds like a company that manufactures both Dick and Tits? <laughs> <laughs> Dick and Ditko is now uh, Ditko. He was also like the only non Jewish person making comic books in Marvel in the early sixties. I'm surprised he's never referenced on Saturday Night Live in the uh, Bear Skits. Can, can Ditko be Ditka? <laughs> Uh, all right, so Satanka also asked, is there such a thing as too much Batman, or have you grown tired of yes. the potential overexposure? I think, yeah, it is a little overexposure, but I think Batman is, he's like Sherlock Holmes almost, or he's hes a detective who can fit in almost any type of story. He's such a versatile, flexible character, I'd say DC's most versatile character, yeah, that usually. it makes it so he can appear in lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. But even at that point, it's like, all right, so we've got Ben Affleck, we've got him in tons of cartoons still, mm-hmm. And there will be a Lego Batman movie. Yeah, that's a lot. Of, and it's, it's Arkham just, and I, other games. I think those like, all—they're all so different that it's not really overkill, in my opinion. Like, yes, but it, it's like just Batman vs Superman well, was not very good, but I the worst. Yeah, but I, <laughs> Batfleck was not a huge part. Like he was—he was only half of it. So that even that isn't make, like overexposing him in the movies. Like I would want to see a, a standalone Batman well, I movie because I, I think it would could be done better. I think uh, it's bizarre that I live in a world. Where even me as a teenager, like, yeah, there's going to be so much Batman stuff, you're not going to be able to watch all of it. It'll and, be impossible. You and, can't keep up. And it is, like, we always say Batman thrives on reinterpretation. There are so many different, unconnected Batman universes in every fucking medium. I don't even feel bad about it anymore. Yeah. I yeah. watched you the don't first feel couple. Bat about it? I don't feel bad about <laughs> it. I, I, I just. Oh, damn. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, yeah, just I watched the first couple of episodes of Gotham. Like, well, this is a waste of my time. I don't yep. need to do that. There's a cartoon somewhere, I'm sure. But the, I th- I'm just doing that, yeah. that the, research the, for the yeah. toy article. But the glass half full thing is like, there's bound to be a Batman thing for you. Oh. You just have to find it. And, and for most people, it's uh, Arkham. And for me, it's it's the killing joke. Um, the thing we just put a, put up yes, a trailer for I in Laser Time. Yeah, I put up the trailer for Batman the Killing Joke, which is the 1987 Ooh, uh, one. thing, which... I don't know. It's not as good as it. Uh, uh, it doesn't doesn't Batman kill that, that would? That's the uh, that was Graham it's Morrison's interpretation. theory. I like that interpretation also because I think it should not be in continuity. Yeah. I think the crippling of Barbara Gordon is like what happens to her is too cruel to happen to Batgirl. Kind of, but especially if it is in continuity. If they <laughs> if the editors in '87 had just said okay, and that happened in Al Moore's book, that didn't really happen, and Barbara can just keep being Batgirl, and she didn't get like. Uh, raped or assaulted by Joker. Like, let's not... Why have that? More importantly, it's got Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill reprising their roles as my yeah. my generation slash my favorite Batman and Joker. I think and Hamill, Hamill sounds old. Yeah, he does. He does. Uh, more than Conroy, I'd say. But well, Hamill, Conroy was meant to sound old. Though Hamill said he'd never... Uh, Hamill said multiple times, oh, I'm done with the Joker. I've done all I can with At him. At this point, for- I think he said that just... To create tension, yeah, he knew he knows his audience, and he knows 
I think he was totally lying. I mean, when he said he was done after Arkham City, we're like, you're going to be in Arkham and the he's, next... You're, and he's he in is. it a ton, more than he ever was in any yes. of the other games. He's it's a pretty smart Arkham way Knight. to get mm-hmm. him back in it, while also All not killing him. Mm-hmm. Like, he's constantly there, but he's not been unkilled. I want to crap my pants asks, ever seen the old Batman or Superman serials, or the George Reeves Superman yes. show, or the radio? Any thoughts yes. on those? Yeah, uh, terrible. George Reeves is the only thing I've watched. George Reeves, I remember watching a Nick at Night. I did just go see yeah. Rift Tracks live, and they did a Batman short, and it is fucking hysterical <laughs> so he's got floppy ears and he he's, drives like a Packard dude he drives right? like a like a late model sedan sedan <laughs> it's crazy that like just Batman and Robin get out of a beige car I mean it's black and white you can't tell they, but, they, I'm guessing they're probably chasing spies yeah yeah like yeah. just the little burglars like like <laughs> like 20 minute chases with burglars they stuck the jewels yeah yeah, he gets Robin a train robbery. Like it's 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 hard to call it compelling. Which is weird because the Fleischer cartoons for Superman incredible, are excellent. Well, the story of the Fleischer cartoons was that they didn't want to do them and ask for more money than they thought they'd ever get, and then they're like, okay, here's your money, and so that's why they looked. They were they're amazing. They're the best things Fleischer ever animated because it was the biggest budgets they ever worked with. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but yeah, the on the George Reeves show I watched it as a kid, but I also couldn't like. Stand how it's really I, super. It's so boring. They reuse the same flying a, a, a scene every time, mm-hmm. and it's just Superman smashing through walls like most of the time, and and then just guys shooting uh, bullets at them and then throwing the gun at him. Like that's I think that's where that started was in it the is, George Reeves show. Is, like that's where that blam, comes blam, blam, blam. Throw, throw the, gun. the gun at him. Yeah, yeah I, though I do love. I mean, George Reeves is such an had such an interesting life that he got paid shit to be. A Superman, it ruined his career, and then like between seasons, I I remember hearing a story that he like dug ditches because he didn't make enough money <laughs> as Superman. Uh, but yeah, that's that's all I know about the classic one. I do like George Reeves's like interpretation of Superman, I like Ben Affleck's George Reeves. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a real thing. Uh, what Hollywood Land? Give it a watch. All right, so last week's question of the week was, do you have any Silver Age comics you would suggest to somebody in the modern age? No. Uh, we, it's, it, not really, but Batman Boy 11 said, while Stanley's writing definitely does not hold up, I still say reading Silver Age Amazing Spider-Man is somewhat worthwhile for the history of it. We all know the stories and the origins of Spider-Man's earliest foes and events like Spider-Man No More, but actually going through it by yourself is still interesting. Gene Simmons Toyota, who is the cool dude who gave me some comics today. Thank you. Uh, my personal favorite of the Silver Age Legion of Superheroes. It's sci-fi setting. Let Al Pastino and Otto Binder put their creativity, push their creativity to the limit. But these stories aren't just weird for weird sake. Some of them, such as Doomed Legionnaires issue, are truly, uh, uh, truly touching, and fans of Star Trek will likely enjoy the adventures and of any positive future. Uh, Aimbot Master says, I would say any one shot from Silver Age Superman, even ones from Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen. The twisted nonsense of his power seems to occur every single issue. They're great to go in the mindset of 
logic has no rule and just really want to laugh at whatever ass pull the writer can think of at the end of it. It's like an episode of Pinky and the Brain where you try to guess how everything gets perfectly resolved to the status quo at the end of the issue. And Super Giraffe had a similar suggestion of Superman 156, The Last Days of Superman. Pretty sure this book was the inspiration for All-Star Superman and it totally reads like the most condensed version of that story. It's where Superman thinks he is dead and has to do his 12 acts before he dies. Gur Snort says, I'd actually recommend DC Comics Sergeant Rock. Uh, when I was a kid, these books were in the quarter bins, <laughs> and I would buy a and I would buy a grip of them every now and then. And that uh, and it was worked on by Joe Kubert, father of Andy Kubert and Adam Kubert, and one of one of the most important Silver Age artists of his time. That also reminds me, Garth Ennis, who d- wrote some really good Sergeant Rock books and loves World War II comics, but who also created Preacher. He just got a gig writing the official comics for Wargaming and World of Tanks. Holy shit. He's really? doing the ah. World of Tanks comic, which is nuts. And he's getting back together with an old dread artist of his. Hmm. And uh, lastly, Shirkinoff says, <laughs> your last Marvel Cards video reminded me of how much I love Silver Age Doctor Strange. It's a little hard to recommend actual issues since most of the best Doctor Strange stuff was coming out of Strange Tales. Mm-hmm. But outside of Fantastic Four and Spider-Man comic, his comics are the most fun to read. I would also say Doctor Strange, Strange Tales is just fun to look at as this is fucking crazy. Uh, all right. And so this week's question of the week for us, I'm taking from an Ask Hank by Bittersweet Jesus, which is a very simple one on the eve of Civil War, I'd say. Fuck, Mary kill for the following. Ooh. The MCU versions of Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America. And I'll go first. I've got mine down already. So Man. definitely I think I'd have a wild night with Thor, but I also don't think he's... I, I don't think he's the marrying type, so I definitely have an F with uh, with good old Thor. I would kill Tony because I think uh, Tony's the most biggest dick of them or like... He's also, I think he would just make fun of me the time. I just don't think he'd be a very good, very good partner. And then lastly, Cap I would marry because he definitely seems like the homemaking type who would really take care I of you. I can't imagine anybody yeah. saying anything different yeah. outside I, trying to be controversial. Well, I well because I was a screen looker, I had this in mind. <laughs> I would still a... fuck Thor. I would marry Tony for his money uh... and kill Cap because he's a dweeb. And I just wouldn't <laughs> want to. <laughs> right. like, Not the MCU one, though. He's he really still doesn't get references. <laughs> like, I don't want to, have to explain everything. You'd make reference, and we make references all the time. You yeah. know, Dave, that's a good point. Been me, frozen me, throughout like all the Simpsons references yeah. you're going to give out. But then again, maybe I could when I'm rewatching Simpsons for talking Simpsons, I could take him through it with me. Well, no, if he's only 12 years out, then mm-hmm. he was alive for the first eight seasons of Simpsons at no, this that's point. True. <laughs> he just missed all this shitty stuff. Uh, uh, I'd, I obviously guys, marry Cab. Yes, but fuck Thor, so kill him. No. Because it'll probably take a while. Mm. Iron Man's got got money. He's still the financier of Avengers. You're not mm. going to be able. To, but he's old, so I understand wanting to kill him. Because <laughs> uh, Robert Downey Jr. is old, not, yeah. not necessarily Tony. There's Stark. a lot of miles on that engine too. Yeah. It's not just. It's not the age. It's the miles, baby. As Indiana <laughs> Jones once said, "Mary Cap," because he's dreamy. Mm. He mm. is quite dreamy. Brett, you follow? You following us on that? Uh, yours, yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> any any extra reasoning? To uh, no, like everything. Like, they, it all makes. All right, so you up. and Henry are trying to fuck, marry, and kill. Yeah, um, just when Henry gets proposes to Cap first. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> oh. Then who do you kill? 
Uh, you just go into murderous these rampage? These things don't overlap with each other. They have to. You can't both marry Captain America because this is America. <laughs> well, then if he's already killed one, then Dave can't get with the one he killed. Like These, these things can't crisscross. You can fuck them before and after. Well, if Cap is in uh, uh, Utah, then he can marry both. I would say it'd be nice to marry Thor just to get, like, you'd get a, he'd have uh, the you, best wedding. Like, you'd go to That Asgard. Midgar money does yeah. not go very far in the United States. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd have to move to Midgar, or I'd have to move to Asgard, which I don't know if I'd want that. Yeah. Wouldn't that make you royalty? Isn't Thor? Is I guess, royalty? yeah. Or I'd be a consort, at least. Uh, I don't know you'd if be I'd be the prettiest queen ever. Alright, so you tell us in the forums, lasertimepodcast.com slash forums. There'll be a page for that in the comic discussions thread, or you can find the link to it on this week's episode page, which you'll find on lasertimepodcast.com, which is home to so many wonderful things. Uh, You know what? I'll say this one. First off, for comic fans, they're going to want to listen to this week's Laser Time about the oldest toys because we talk a lot about comic books. Somebody asked that question. We. There is an old toy commercial we play in the beginning before DC or Marvel had ever worked its shit out, and there's oh, yeah. tons of these old me- Mego, Mecco commercials. <laughs> Mego. It's like, uh, buy Superman yeah. and Spider-Man and Captain America and Batman the, just in the same commercial together, and the first one I could find from the early 70s is just like, Spider-Man, Batman, Phantom, Tarzan, Conan, they were all on even <laughs> footing with, with wow, Marvel and DC. That's amazing. And it's just like, I, I was at the, that was all dead by the time I was little, but there was still residual phantom horse shit. great black superhero. <laughs> 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 oh, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's weird to hear, it's weird to hear now, but at the time they're like, Hey, they made they made a toy of a black superhero. They did. Nobody did that. Back they did, then. but it's still like everybody else has like a descriptor. That magnificent, amazing Captain America and Captain and Falcon. He's black. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's also the, and there's a corresponding article to it as well, which Chris worked real hard on Ugh. on LazerTimePodcast.com. And speaking of Chris working hard on stuff, that eight r- worst things Superman does in video games. Yeah. Such a good video. Give it a watch and tell your friends about it, guys. It's a big week to be ignored at this level. <laughs> uh, everybody, stop ignoring Chris. Watch that video. I don't care. Do whatever you want. Uh, there's also 302010, right, Brett? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a weekly look back at uh, the events of what happened in movies, music, TV, and games. Every week we go back that same week 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 years ago, so 86, 96, and 06. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every week you get to see like mo- what movie was out, what the number one song was, what TV aired that week. and uh, Oh, boy, this week. What a, what a journey. Ooh, this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, also there's Talking Simpsons, our week-by-week exploration of every episode of The Simpsons from the beginning. And that was sponsored by our Patreon, which, again, let me tell you guys, patreon.com slash laser time. Even if you think it looks like we have a lot of money, we do not. And we could always use more. And if you have been on the fence, please support us. Just $5 a month gets you uh, like access yeah. to a ton of great shit yeah. we've already done it's, and new stuff and, all the time. Yeah, Bonus it's time. Not, it's not just split four ways. It's basically mm-hmm. split six ways. Mm-hmm. Because With Uncle the, Sam, baby. Well, seven. Yeah. <laughs> there's the Patreon's there's a the, silent member who takes... like. Well, that's the thing. So there's the four of us. <laughs> there's Patreon's take. There's the enormous tax taken out of it. Mm-hmm. And then there's also just laser time. Yep. Like mm-hmm. like uh, bandwidth, up, like storage keyboards breaking that laptop all, the, all that we, crap I've been wanting to break it for an entire <laughs> year so yeah if you support us great if you don't yet please consider it guys and yeah mm-hmm. like Dave was saying that's where you'll find bonus time mm-hmm. our bonus. weekly bonus podcast if you where... want to find out why there was a bloody man in a robe outside of Chris's apartment <laughs> that's the only venue that we will find out same with us talking about uh, the passing of Prince you'll mm-hmm. only find it out on well, also on, uh, that bastard in the pulp. on Video Game Apocalypse this week special sneak preview it's going to be about 
Prince, sort of. Ah, great. Well, all right. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. And as always, Excelsior! Excelsior!